You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So it started um, initially as an incident response to one of the one of our customers. But when we started to unveil the various layers of the breach and the attacker's techniques, we've stumbled upon the ghost shell runner. That's Moore Levy. She's VP of Security Practices at Cyber Reason. The research we're discussing today is titled Ghost Shell, Novel Rat Targets Global Aerospace and Telecoms Firms. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. That was the interesting part because this tool is a tool that we've never seen before. And apparently the rest of the industry haven't seen it before because there was no information about that tool online, anywhere online or in other sources that we're looking at. So that definitely caught our attention. Well, take us through some of the unique things about Ghost Shell. I mean, what exactly are we talking about here? Sure. So first of all, just for clarity perspective, Ghost Shell is the name of the operation. The tool Mm. itself is called Shell Client. And there is a threat actor behind that, that this is a threat actor that we've revealed and exposed to the world that is called Malkamak. So just Mm. for uh, terminology perspective, so we'll know how we're referencing things. So if you're asking specifically about the tool itself, what is unique and what is special, We've seen some techniques that are pretty rare, first of all, from the tool perspective. 
So one of the significant techniques that are leveraged by this tool is that the command and control operation is leveraged through Dropbox. So the tool itself, unlike uh, traditional or more common remote access Trojans that leverages command and control systems, they usually leverage either a direct command, like interactive command, through HTTP or HTTPS or DNS or various other protocols. But in this case, we saw that the threat actor leveraged Dropbox, which basically they had in Dropbox files that contained the commands, and then the shell client would access this Dropbox and download those files with the commands and then run it on the host. Hmm. So the operator could just put on the Dropbox folder the commands that they need or they want the tool to run, then the tool would do that uh, once a day or so. Now, how do you suppose that uh, the shell client was getting onto people's systems? So it could be through one of many um, infiltration vectors. To be honest, the access point to networks will, in most cases, will be one of the following, either through a misconfigured internet-facing asset or through a vulnerable internet-facing asset or through a, a phishing email you know, that someone clicked on um, or even through previous breach that attackers just left behind something and no one cleaned it up. So usually the infiltration to networks is through one of those vectors. Our particular case, this was through misconfiguration. Can you take us through some of the things that make Shell Client unique, some of the ways that it's it's organized and, and its capabilities? Sure. So I think from a capability perspective, at the end of the day, remote access Trojans, all of them has... Uh, a very specific uh, purpose in life, right? It, to enable the threat actors to have direct access into the organizational network and to allow them to run reconnaissance commands to collect data on their targets and obviously to collect any relevant information. The interesting thing with, with Shell Client as a tool and specifically this campaign, this ghost shell campaign, is the very targeted nature of that campaign. Because there are many remote access Trojans out there, what is called in the black market, that threat actors can use. But this one has a very unique fingerprinting and is highly customized to fit the goals of this campaign, of this ghost shell campaign and its targets, right? So I think the sum of this operation is the uniqueness of all of those different factors that eventually led us to the conclusion that we found a threat actor, a group that wasn't known previously to that. Are there any elements that, from a technical point of view that are particularly interesting? Is there, Do you consider the, the way that this was coded? Are, are there any clever elements there? I think that the most unique aspect here is the Dropbox management the mm. command and control infrastructure, because it's not only used for providing the, the commands for the shell client to run, it's also used as the exfiltration vector. The threat actors were eventually uploading the data that they were collecting to those uh, Dropbox accounts 
Um, so it was multi-purpose. And at the end of the day, this is a very common tool to use Dropbox. Many organizations use that. It's a legitimate tool. So from the attacker's perspective, it's hiding in plain sight while leveraging the favorite you know, cloud security storage tool. Everyone can use, and it's very difficult to identify any malicious activity done. And how about persistence? I mean, how, how are they maintaining their place on, on the victim's systems? So once the, the shell client is created on the, on the machine, it actually creates uh, several services that are executed uh, either automatically or ad hoc by the threat actor. And uh, those services on the surface might look legitimate, but actually uh, looking into the name and description and when starting to inspect the actual uh, names of those services, you realize that those are not legitimate services. So the service that the shell client is is creating is called a network host detection service, which is a very vague name Mm. (laughs) and can be sound legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in terms of, of its capabilities, what sort of things can it do? What sort of commands does it have uh, under its control? So the shell client can do various types of commands from, you know, querying the host name, for example, check which type of version of shell client is actually running. It's able to extract the IP address of the machine or actually to ping an external IP services to fetch the external IP address of the machine it's currently running on. It can install other things. It can open command shell, PowerShell. It can create TCP clients, FTP clients. So it has very robust capabilities when it comes to enabling the threat actor to, to run various operations, and it even have some commands that enables it to run lateral movement using WMI. Now, one of the interesting aspects of your research here is that you, you explored if this was, uh, or how old a version of this is, trying to, to determine how far back this goes. Can you take us through that part of your exploration? Sure. So as I mentioned, and you also asked about the uniqueness of this tool. So mm. when we are performing those types of incidents and we're performing the research during the incident and after the incident, we're trying to track any other similar variants or tools uh, that we can correlate with what we're seeing. And when we started to investigate that, as I mentioned, there wasn't a lot of knowledge and information about that tool. So we were able to find only seven other samples that has similar characteristics to the shell client. And those samples allow us to backtrack the earliest version to 2018. And by the way, ever since we've published the research, we've seen some spike of uploads of uh, similar samples to VirusTotal, for example. Again, not, not that significant, even in other APT campaigns that we've investigated, there were hundreds of samples that we could uh, leverage and investigate and correlate. And in this case, it was really handful. And this really attests to the surgical and very targeted operation this was. And who are they targeting? Who, who does it seem like they're going after here? 
So from our analysis, and obviously, as you understand, it's very limited view because there are so few samples and infrastructure out there that we can access. Uh, what we were able to gather is that the target of that threat actor is uh, telcos and aerospace companies. And the ones that we were able to identify were companies in the Middle East, in Russia, in the, and in U.S., so it's a very specific set of companies and in very specific set of countries. Well, let's move on then to attribution. Do you have any sense for who might be behind this? Yes. So we've figured that the threat actor that is behind that is, is an Iranian threat actor, but it's not one of the famous two threat actors. Um, one of them is APT39 and uh, the other one, it's... Agrius APT. So mm. we weren't able to correlate completely, like to have a distinct connections to APT39 or Agrius. And we are using a threat intel model that is called the diamond model that is looking into the adversary, their infrastructure, their capabilities, and their victims. And based on that, we thought that the responsible thing to do, if we cannot find a good correlation on those four factors, this is probably a new threat actor. And that's why we've dubbed the name of the threat actor as Mal Kamak, which is malicious Kamak, which Kamak is, a, I think, Persian mythology character. So mm. that's the backstory to the name. So in terms of organizations protecting themselves against this, what are your recommendations? So first of all, one of the capabilities that we saw around uh, the tool itself, the shell client, is that it has a pretty sophisticated um, antivirus obfuscation and bypass techniques. So having visibility, that is super important because this is a, a more sophisticated type of tool based on what I, I just shared with you. It's also important as an organization to understand what is the threat profile and the threat landscape to the organization. As I mentioned, this is a very targeted type of campaign. So obviously, if you're not in the aerospace or telco, the risk is lower for you to be targeted by that threat actor. But it's really important to understand what is the business and then to create a threat profile to your organization. And from that, to draw the relevant threat actors and groups that might be targeting you. And this is obviously in addition to all of the various um, e-crime and commodity malware that is out there that is uh, not less destructive or damaging than, than those types of operations. Since you published this research, have, has anyone else reached out to you? Have you heard from any other any other organizations, researchers out there who may be uh, on the path of this particular threat actor themselves? Yeah, we heard from uh, various groups, including some of the um, law enforcement and, and agencies that are also tracking similar threat actors. And we are comparing notes to see if there's anything that might suggest that it's the same threat actor. And as I mentioned also since publishing that, we saw there was an uptick of uploads to VirusTotal of similar samples like this one. Our 
thanks to Moore Levy from Cyber Reason for joining us. The research is titled Operation Ghost Shell, Novel Rat Targets Global Aerospace and Telecoms Firms. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then, you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.